1: Their lab grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to Bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at Bluenile.com for $50 off. Bluenile.com code LISTEN. Assalamualaikum wa barakatuh. It's been a hot
0: minute.
2: <laughs> Welcome to Two Cents. This is not your average overrated underrated this is not what we brought. We you reinvented before. it guys we've had a little bit of a remodel here um this is two cents we're only bringing two overrated and underrateds and i've invited myself onto the podcast <laughs> so um that's why we've had to shorten Nafisa and selena's <laughs> contribution <laughs> all right who's going first now the
3: headline i just saw was mad I don't know why saying he's going first, like you guys didn't bully me into going first not before we you recorded. Me, you, <laughs> Do you want my overrated, underrated first? We're not doing
2: written? a
0: podcast where we're in, like, in the our office. office. Yeah, yeah, so we
2: should probably mention that we finally got our own podcast equipment. Whee! Thank you, Mr. Harry Did Hitchens. I oh, feel no. like
0: we should still have Harry Hitchens at the end of the credits? It does sound nice, doesn't it? This was all possible Thank because you to of <laughs> Harry Hitchens' contributions correct. when we first started and his ongoing advice. Correct, correct, helped. correct.
3: Right. Are you ready? Yeah, go for it. Um, my overrated's and underrateds this week. Mm. Most of them are based on stuff that I've just been reading Mm. over the last few weeks and I thought it would be interesting to bring to the table to have a discussion. (coughs) So my first overrated is Chasing Perfect Skin. And the reason why I brought this to the table as an overrated is because I read an article by the Atlantic And the title was, the best skincare trick is being rich. And I'd really recommend reading it. What? Yeah, yeah. she says, the best skincare trick is being rich. And she says, you can drink as much water and wear as much sunscreen as you want, but the most effective skincare trick is being rich. The wealthy have mastered the look and it reinforces capitalistic notions of success and who achieves it. and the reason why I bought this a table is because I feel... Like I've had many conversations with many of my friends about our skin and the size of our pores and that pigmentation. I and mean, I still st- don't get the pore thing. She, I don't. She doesn't struggle from the large pore thing. I can't. Comment. No, I've got pores. No, but you, no, you don't, don't. You don't, you don't, you don't. don't have pores in Maybe. the way I have pores. No, neither of you have pores in the way I have pores. What? No, so come on. I pores like.
0: are just part of your skin. No, no but Haven't some of us have been larger been, pores. So she likes to be like you can't have big pores.
3: So yeah, basically she talks about how um you know you get those articles which is like oh this actress uses this ten dollar cream or this this model this is her secret skincare and it's like this like drugstore beauty buy right and she's like but actually the reality is all these actresses and all these people that we see with quote-unquote flawless skin really and truly they're having like 200 hundred dollar facials every other week if not every week they're having business
0: to have good skin yeah
3: exactly and I, I believe i just have to come to a point where i'm like actually this is my skin this is what it's going to be my pores aren't going to get any smaller i my skin is never going to be like porcelain smooth baby's bum vibe like this is it this is my skin how do you know because no oh, come on no man. you might because what it, the, it the skin your... that this the skin that i want is the skin that i have with a filter on she basically says like the reason why this whole like skincare flawless skin industry is there is because if beauty editors were there saying actually what's going to fix your skin is expensive treatments it would be too depressing for women to read and it would be too depressing for us to Because we wouldn't feel like it's attainable because we'd be like, oh, I've not got all of that money to spend on treatments and this night cream and this day cream and this toner and blah, blah, blah. What about
2: people who aren't rich and have got amazing skin?
3: Genetics. But do you not think there's a rich
2: person out there that is doing exactly the same things? They still express the same things as you? Yeah,
3: I'm not saying just because you've got money that your skin's going to be perfect, but I'm just saying that, like, I, I think we've created an industry uh, that is trying to sell women women these ideas that if you have this skincare routine, you're going to get to X. And yeah. I think it's just time to accept that you're not going to deviate too far from where your skin is now. Yeah, the the
2: Korean ten step
3: skincare thing I was absolutely thrown off by. Right, my second one, um, overrated, is hustle porn and acting like you're working really long hours and sharing that on social media because it makes you look like you're really busy and (laughs) a Mm go-getter. And the reason I say this is because yesterday I was working until about 11 o'clock at night Mm. and I, um, being the millennial that I am, at 10 o'clock, I i took a photo of my laptop because i was working on something and it it had like the amalia banner and it said amalia and it looked nice and then i took a picture and i just put it on my instagram instagram stories and i just captioned it saying every day as in like every day amalia you know um and then i was doing my work enough and then i put another post because i was like i don't want people to think like oh look she's working ele uh, ten o'clock at night. Wow, look, you know what a hustler, what a go getter, and I was like, I don't want to create that image because the reality yesterday was that I spent the morning at my mum's with Isa, and so I didn't start my working day till one p.m. Mm. So for me, it's like I was just putting in the normal hours of a day, but they were just inverted. I think there's definitely this this glorification of working long hours and making it known and showing people that like I'm busy I'm busy I have no weekends like you know I have no evenings I'm just hustling 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 trying to make the dream work blah 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 blah. and I get it but I think the obsession is to
0: work long hours rather than produce something do you think some of it is to show the reality of actually everyone's seeing the shiny Mm. whatever it is the the end result Mm. Mm. and it's like well actually it wasn't that easy this is what is behind i I think yeah there definitely is that but i also think there's an element of like like did you see wags's story today no she was like showing part of that like she's on holiday she's gone away i think it's birthday. yeah yeah i
3: i i'm not saying that like anyone who posts about them doing their work is like oh cringe hustle porn but i i think there's like I guess it's like a a badge of pride and I get it. Yeah, I yeah, I am proud that I put in a lot of work and you know I I am proud of my work ethic. I know I can work hard and that is something that I've like I f- I feel like is a trait, you know, and something you have to nurture. And yeah, there is a element of like I I like the fact that I'm known as someone who puts in the work, mm. who gets stuff done, you know. But at the same time, I almost feel like people see it as like
0: integral to building a personal brand as a founder i think it's complex because actually when you are first building your business or doing anything yeah yeah, when you're starting up it is hard even when you're learning a language yeah you're having to put in a bit more few more hours Mm -hmm, than you would in six months time and i think perhaps our space you know our i don't want to use the word demographic but the people that we know everyone's kind of starting out there's mm-hmm. a lot of new initiatives we're in that bubble mm-hmm. you know in 10 years time that could change perhaps yeah so it's it's hard because everyone reads things differently yeah and that's that's i guess
3: that's why yesterday i felt like i had to put the disclaimer because for me it was just like i was for me it was out of love for Mali i was like Amalia every day, isn't it? Mm. So, and then I thought, wait, someone is going to look at the story and be like, oh, I need to be working till 10 o'clock every night. That's how you can build a business and da, 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 da. And so for me, I,
0: I felt like- And it, there might be someone that, that looks at it and said, I don't want that life.
3: Yeah, yeah. And it, for me, it was literally
0: saying, just don't believe the hype.
3: Sarah.
2: guys i have to say again i have a newfound appreciation for what you guys have been doing <laughs> for the past nine episodes because this has genuinely been the hardest thing ever it's Trying Okay, yeah, so I'm a little, oh God, a little bit nervous about this. That's good. Yeah, all right then, let's go. Let's go, go on. So what's your first, <laughs> is my it overrated? F- yeah, my first overrated is owning a car. And I say that because I'm in the process of learning how to drive. And so for me, this is a relatively late venture. All my friends got their driving license and their car thing out of the way when they were coming up to, well, basically as soon as we could. And I kind of put it off for ages and... Um, I know there's like obviously loads of people that just don't bother getting their license and they're driving or whatever. But but I was thinking about how much money this is actually costing me? So I'm coming up to getting my license soon, inshallah. So, Selina, inshallah. Inshallah. And I was I
3: mean,
0: thinking it's about it's expensive. It's really. Yeah, c- but, but you keep st-
3: you can't keep
2: starting £50 and stopping. for two-hour lesson. That's a
0: hundred pound in two weeks. I mean, I got that's mates
2: rates, isn't it? So I've actually Mate. got it quite easy, but yeah. um, f- uh, it's still racking up quite a bill. And I think to myself, I live in London, and I know that that's not the case for everybody. And in those circumstances, I think having a car is really useful. But I, in order to kind of come to this like conclusion, I racked up my bill for driving lessons and then I racked up my bill for actually owning a car and then insurance as well. Stop, yeah. It's actually a madness. Like, Are we just to, going average car? We're just going not, average yeah. car, just to get a first decent car, like good on the clock, hasn't got a cat. You're looking at something like two, 3K, including your license. And I know a lot of people know, oh, you know, I'll get a 500 pound car, but uh, like, let's be honest, you're not fessing up all this money just to get an old banger. And you've got all these other things to consider. When I was thinking about this, I was like, actually, let me have a look at my Uber app. And oh. this is something we did in the office, like, maybe a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, actually, how many trips have I taken? I thought, maybe, like, Uber's actually been the most ethical... It's actually been the most ethical option for in me. In terms
3: of your footprint? Yeah. Yeah.
2: I... What was the result when you looked at so I So, <laughs> I went back and I looked at every single Uber trip I've taken. And mm. we kind of made an average about how much I'd spent on each trip. And since 2015 I've made about 200 uber rides okay so that's about so 2,000 pounds 16, it's about two, 16, on averaging average, on 20 18. pounds for a gentleman I have so had that's a couple five of five
3: years yeah
2: yeah yeah, yeah god no four years four I would years. say it was the end of 2015 actually I can't even specify that much
3: so uh, so 2,000
2: 2,000 plus pounds I've taken I've taken a couple of bougie trips like really like when I did I not mean, need to get car I mean those east to west mate mate I fully have got I have fully got drives home in an Uber when I did not need them because people feel they want to have like a little bit of an easy time. They get in their car, right, instead mm. of getting on the central line. So it's effectively the same thing. And two thousand plus pounds over the space of four years is for me. D- yeah, yeah it, it's quite a oh, saving. Do you know you? what I mean? Five hundred, d- and I haven't really lost out on the experience. Like, if anything, I've I've missed out on parking anxiety. Mm. I don't have to pay for
3: insurance. I don't have to do any of these things. And also, I, th- I think there's a context around here of
0: you're just taking yourself around, isn't it? Do you know what, yeah, come <laughs> out of London, actually. If you're come living out of in London the USA, and have a family. there are parts of the USA where you're having to drive, I've, I've heard in the stories, <laughs> a very long way just to get from A to B, right? Yeah, 100, 100. Yeah, so is, I guess it is location-dependent, location. but I hear yeah. you. Like when I, When I went to LA,
3: mate, you're not getting public transport nowhere.
2: I'm not really painting myself out to be um, anything but a potato. My second overrated is takeaway culture. Oh, wow. Uh, anyone who knows me has just finished the biggest eye roll of their lives. So. Yeah, what was dinner last night? GBK. <laughs> wow. <laughs> how give. many
3: takeaways you get a week? I'm
2: terrible. I am terrible. Like, how many don't speak to my get family, but I've literally had an intervention about how many takeaways I get. There is absolutely no need for me to be getting takeaways. You don't even I'm have I'm fully it exposing myself right now, guys. I yeah. really
3: am. Like So I, what? You'll just get a takeaway for yourself and then everyone else will eat whatever they're eating? in the house yeah
2: but can I be so honest with you sometimes they eat without me and it's really sad and then I have to go order my feelings the reason it's overrated they are actually taking over the world and I watched a panorama um, like expose on Deliveroo Just Eat and all of these like up and coming like tech companies that are making food the ultimate convenience for people and it really like shook me to the core and there's a lot of things that shake me to the core about the takeaway industry and food in general and the diet industry i like i get the lifestyle of having a take. i get that it's not easy i had a conversation with someone about this and they were just like oh i just think people are really hard on people that get takeaways five times a week <laughs> because they're working these crazy hours they're in the office at 7 a.m they don't get home until 8 p.m and then you end up feeling like it's not always easy to meal prep like your energy their energy and willpower might be spent elsewhere but and you want something in that's in that, warm and wholesome exactly. Exactly. So the way that Panorama positioned it, it's like I think you can find it on YouTube, Deliveroo is out to take over the world. Yes. The reporter managed to find like a luxury brochure from like Deliveroo HQ or something, and it had so much as said like we're out to basically abolish home cooking or something like that. And I think wow. about yeah, and I think about the f- the way that these industries have really taken off, and the fact that I see someone on a Deliveroo or Uber Eats bike pretty much. Every All day of time, my life, yeah. yeah. I, I especially ha- around these ends. exactly. I have not really deeped how much we are like detaching ourselves from the therapy of cooking. Yeah. Oh my god, this was what this was what was really freaky about it. So, Delivery have actually um, taken over this like um, site in Tower Hamlets. Mm. It's like a an abandoned site, and they've got these like shipping container type units. Mm. And they're called Delivery Editions and- um, And they kitchens. They're kitchens. So they set up basically like, they're like almost like concessions for restaurants. Yeah. And I don't know if they get like restaurant chefs in specifically for those containers, but just an entire like site catered to convenient food and restaurant food in these shipping containers that maybe would crop up at like a Christmas market yeah. or is now a fixed site. Local residents are like, well, At peak times there's one hundred and ninety-two bikes coming in and out of that site, like motorcycles, like mopeds, one hundred and ninety-two an hour. That is um that is like literally feeding. Right. Imagine what they must be churning out. And I just think, God, like, forget the fact that you're now detaching yourself from like cooking your own food imagine like the mm. environmental like consequences of takeaway culture the amount of plastic that's being thrown There's away so much rubbish all of the rubbish all of the wasted food and then the psychological impact of just ordering a food at the click of a button you have the financial impacts of because it's it's so disposable I feel like you throw your money away the same you do with takeaway packaging and because it's it was always like positioned even in advertising as a luxury mm. we've kind of just Latched onto that mm. and turned it it's into like something a else, right? Of like, oh, I have ex- to ex- yeah. exactly, yeah. and actually
3: it's peasant behavior, yeah, it, it, yeah. And it is. We've we've spoken about this idea as well of, I, I think it might have even been Hamza Yusuf, you know, where he was talking about like the further you are from the food source. Oh yeah, it was in Agenda to Change. Yeah. The further you are from your food source, like you can't you need to understand that has spiritual implications mm. and spiritual impact and that like food and cuisine and, and cooking used to be held in such high esteem mm. and you know the whole idea of there is baraka in food like how yeah. much baraka is there in food that's you know you're ordering at a click of a button it's yeah. being created somewhere in some warehouse yeah. and yeah. and all of that and I think it's again when we talk a couple of podcasts ago we were talking about the spiritual disconnect in a lot of our actions and our behavior and I really feel like Takeaway culture is
0: is one of those. All right, my first overrated. No one's gonna like this, but I just I cannot line up. I can't fathom it, and I don't want to explain it because I think enough people will get understand it. And it's a bit of a bugbear for me. Um, but watching movies and programs again.
3: Oh, I hear you on this one.
0: I can I've never done it in my life. I, I love watching Made in Manhattan all the time.
3: Nah, <laughs> come on. Of all the J Lo movies, you're gonna say I, Made d- in Manhattan. I don't Manhattan. know why. I have like I'm not someone who really has favorites, no, but you I feel I don't so. know what it is about Made in
0: Manhattan. Like, That's I love it. Nah, come on. I man. love watching it. Really? Yeah. Is This is the J Lo one. This I don't feel like thing, that, right? but anything else. I, I you know I I really don't understand how people can watch friends reruns. I don't understand how people can watch a movie again, like, oh, should we watch that movie again? I'm like, no, why are you gonna watch that movie again and again? I because really you know
3: you want you you just want a good experience. You don't want a trial and error. You
0: just want to <laughs> know it's a good experience. But haven't you already experienced it? It's like going to the same restaurant again. But the company might be different. The variables are always No but I'll go to the same restaurant with you ten times. <laughs> but i'm funny <laughs> there's a difference isn't it yep but I, p- me personally when like everyone's like they'll suggest a movie i'm like oh but we watched that but before. i forget
3: what's happened in the movie personally
0: <laughs> okay I, I feel like there's there's nuance isn't it <laughs> i feel like if you give a buffer time of like three years yeah you can watch a movie again i really do not watch movies again there is one movie that i've watched again and that's you know that but, but it's because yeah see hold on i know i know i know you just have to find a favorite selena but she's she found, found her favorite she's
3: watch that like 10 times <laughs> but that is like, like, she'll come to me and say ex- say exception. some of the lines
0: <laughs> but some people do this as like a regular thing like they'll they'll just like watch titanic again i'm like how dead is that no then? do you know what i think is for well i'm trying to unturn the
3: psyche here yeah i i think part of it yeah maybe i'm just talking about myself here <laughs> is that you know your life is full of so many variables and so many so much decision making you know yeah it's a comfort it's a comfort of like i know what i'm gonna get i know j-lo's gonna get the happy ending i know j-lo's gonna look buff i know i'm gonna laugh i know i'm gonna find it cute and now I, I, Honestly, I've tried to understand. Sorry, maybe you can psychoanalyse me. I don't understand what my affinity to Made in Manhattan is. Do you know what? I'm going to say I have
0: watched that movie twice. See? But it's been around me. And you know what it is? It's the come up. Now, Do you mus- think it's easy on your mind? Maybe that's Yeah, yeah, it yeah, is. for sure. There's no like really big. Yeah, 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 yeah it might be yeah. that actually it's quite easy on your I mind think and yourself i
3: think it's that mixed with the, i think there's definitely some sort of memory of nostalgia like would you watch i yeah i th- i think i think uh, there's a huge psyche around this of its comfort but i know we, there's a lot of people that watch movies and episodes and stuff again because if you watch something again maybe you've grown and you see different things in it
2: right so i was gonna say that actually because yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the thing is, the thing that i can't do is read books again once I've read a book, but apparently that's the, the exact opposite of what you should do. So mm-hmm. to quote Hamza Yusuf yeah. again, <laughs> he said that um, you should read a book at least three times. He's mm-hmm. got a whole lecture. See, do you know what? My it.
3: whole reading a book again, is more FOMO for the books that I'm not reading. Like I struggle yeah. to read
2: a book again because I'm like, but I've got bare books. So I that guess I that is maybe what your anxiety is about it as well. Like yeah. the fact that you're like, actually, I'm it's spending FOMO time. Of like missing yeah, out on watching when something I could else.
0: Be, I mean, I'm not watching something else though. No, but you're saying you'd rather watch something new. Yeah. I don't know, maybe I'm just not a big watcher.
2: Can I just say one thing before we round this off? Yeah. The wedding planner is better than Made in Manhattan. No. Uh, Yes, it is. Sorry, sorry, sorry.
0: My next thing, right? I think we have got a a bit of a theme going on. Mm. And actually this marries into your second point is, I think what's overrated is is buying lunch at work. Mm. I was going to bring that, you know. We know that, right? Cook a little bit extra dinner. Like, you know, if, if you're going to someone's house, ask them for leftovers or offer to take the leftovers. That's a, that's a nice <laughs> way to position it, right? The other day, like, I brought my lunch in. And sometimes we just look at it from a cost point of view. Mm. The other day, I brought my lunch in and I was like, wow, if I went to the supermarket, I have to walk there five, 10 minutes. I have to find my own lunch option another five, 10 minutes. I need to queue and it's mad busy around Clerkenwell Barbican at the moment, five, 10 minutes. I'm like, that's 20 minutes of my lunch gone for me to bring something back to eat. Do you know what? I'm gonna
3: sound like such a snowflake millennial here, what? and I'm sorry, but this is just my life, isn't it? Um, so the last two weeks, I've been I've been bringing my lunch in, guys. Yeah. So every day, I've and to give you context and comparison, last year I probably brought in lunch like twice. In the whole year.
0: Otherwise, I was like... But, even if you did that, we would come together and buy stuff from Tesla. Yeah, like, but and I mean, like, actually, and intentionally. And, do you know what? I just... For me,
3: the, the best part of it, and it links into our conversation about uh, takeaway culture and everything else, is that... I'm not having to decision make about my lunch. Right. Mm. It's already sorted and I know I'm gonna sound like Snowflake millennial of like, Oh, is it too much brain power to think about what you want for lunch? But genuinely. One yes, is though. Like, how many times do you say, guys, what are we eating for lunch? Yeah. Oh, I think I'm just gonna get something from Pret. Oh no, I'm just gonna oh should we just order something? You know? It's too much. And so I I I think we again like it's that whole like you're making so many decisions all the time and I guess this is this is also why I address very functionally of like I have like these five polo necks I have these three trousers and it's that it's that for me it was I was tired of waking up and having to decide and I feel like I've I've tried to do that for, for lunch and even last year yeah we would do like a little almost like a mini little shop from like Tesco like some fresh stuff some salad stuff some chickpeas or whatever it is and I I honestly just cannot believe how much money and time I have spent And work lunches
0: that haven't even been nice. Thing is, like that day when I, you know, I bought my own lunch, whatever it is. I was like, I'm gonna use my lunchtime more efficiently. Yeah. So that one hour, (coughs) I ended up doing my nature journal, Mm -hmm. and my week was tight. And I was like, you know what? If I use my lunch well enough, I could actually nature journal for. It can actually hour. be a break. It can yeah. actually be not just to go get food and eat the yeah. food. Because like, that's what we were doing. It's like, imagine if you could actually use half an hour of that to do something productive. Mm. You know, you, you want to improve your Arabic. Why don't you use half an hour of that? Or even 20 minutes to pursue your hobby or your side hustle or whatever it is. And I think my motivation for being a food in is the time. Mm. The time mm. that it actually saves. So today I've got some rice. I've got some sea bass, asparagus, broccoli, and some alushana.
2: You do well with your lunches. They always look like they're from prep.
0: But the thing is, I just I, this was literally last night's dinner and I didn't eat last night's dinner because it was just way too late what mm. time did we leave like, like nine yeah exactly I have, to, I have to say guys
3: this is the first um day i've failed in january this tuna
0: pasta was saving me uh that was like a staple meal once a week and i know because so the kids easy. came to your house the other day and i like, what did you have for dinner In the like tuna pasta <laughs>
3: Right, my first underrated, I don't know how to word this. I'm going to word it as the levels of the infiltration of the patriarchy. So the reason why is because I'm just so shocked at what I've heard this week. And I've spoken on the podcast before about contraception being overrated because um, based on the fact that there's about 13 contraception options for women and none of them really, really, really allow us to be on contraception while functioning at optimal health levels and the the story that I read this week is just shocking so so there's a story by the metro written by journalist Vicky Spratt and the title reads women needlessly bled for 60 years to please one man in Rome no wonder we've lost trust in contraception basically you know if so if if anyone's ever been um, prescribed the pill for what, whatever reason, even if it's um, for, like, acne or skin or whatever it is or to regulate your hormones... Um, even though that's a myth, regulate them with other things, not pills. If anyone has ever had to be on the pill or whatever it is, normally what they'll say to you is, I think there's 21 pills in a packet, and they'll say take that because that's basically emulating a cycle. Have a seven-day break. The seven-day break is where you basically have your period and bleed. And I've heard that's not a real
0: period or something.
3: Yeah, yeah, and then go back on the next packet and blah, 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 blah. So
0: basically... I feel like this is going to be a big revelation. So, if you're listening to this, just get ready. Yes,
3: get, get sitting down. You don't I'll want to stand up for if this You one. really don't want to hear this. Um, the seven day break was only ever introduced because a Catholic gynecologist called John Rock, who was involved in the development of the pill back in the 1950s, hoped that if the pill mimicked a woman's natural cycle with a monthly bleed, i.e., the seven day break, then the Pope would accept it
2: mad
3: yeah what <laughs> and ironically the pope didn't accept it he said i don't accept this as a form of contraception he was that it's too like unnatural basically um and then john the
0: pope said it's too unnatural
3: he didn't he didn't say it's too unnatural i'm, I'm assuming that's what he said okay. if he didn't accept it let's not put words into the post <laughs> and then John Rock actually ceased to be Catholic, right? But the seven-day break remained as a standard. Over half a century later, the Faculty of Sexual and Reproductive health care have finally come out and said there is actually no health benefit whatsoever to take that seven-day break. So women have just like been doing the bleeding for no reason because this John guy thought maybe it would help get the pill passed by the Pope as a legit form of contraception. So even further than that, yeah. So some of you might be saying, yeah, but surely to keep your period in a cycle is like good for you, blah, 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 whatever, yeah. There's actually new guidelines that have been approved by the National Institute for Clinical Excellence, which say that doctors should actually advise patients against the seven-day break because the pill is more effective when taken back to back. We've been told that the break is something that's good for you. But actually taking the break, uh, according to this article in These Bodies, actually affects the efficacy of the pill.
0: Damn. So that 99% yeah. can be yeah.
3: solved yeah. 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 by yeah. back-to-back. Yeah. 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 And and she's basically saying, like, imagine all the things that we aren't told about women's health. Because she, she's called this, like, the Pope rule. And... Again, this comes back to when I talked about contraception being overrated and some people who really suffer in terms of their mental
0: health yeah. because of the effects of contraception. And it's just not taken seriously. Yeah. With the advances in technology and medicine, there still is not a viable option for the man to take. You have created 13 options for the woman or more. It's
3: mad. That's
0: and mad. A, di- di- you know, a diversity range of pills. But there is not one option for the man. T- okay, there's the condom, right? But that's like an external thing. Let's not f it's with his body. It's also just one let's of let's not very add few any hormones. Yeah, yeah. But the yeah. woman can take that. Let well, the woman take the hit. It's they just they just don't care about women's health, man.
3: My second one. Yeah. Um, I'm not entirely sure how to word it, but I'm gonna give it a go. Okay, um, what's underrated is the everyday hostility that people of color have to face. And the reason why I've brought this one to the table is because Nicole, who is one of the founders of Black Girl Fest, posted on her Instagram this week. And it was basically a picture of her and she put this long caption on her.
1: This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile.
3: Instagram stories and it said I get into my freelance job at 7 30 a.m. because the microaggressions I experience on my normal commute time started to take effect on my well-being super anxious high stress and sometimes frustration and anger this is existing whilst black this is living in Babylon Britain even minding my business reading my book trying to keep out of people's way I'm tuttered at shoved sometimes poked and stared at as a reminder that I don't belong even for the six-minute journey for me, as a black woman, it feels like I was confined in a metal container amongst people who visibly don't like my presence. Energy you can feel around you. Don't know if anyone else experiences this, but I thought I'd share. And <coughs> I read it and I was like, my honestly, my first reaction was like, that sounds like a lot of work to have to come in at 7.30 a.m fought to uh, basically avoid that commute and then i realized that actually we don't validate our experiences enough because then i i actually messaged her and i i I said to her based on a conversation we were having in the office actually of like we've been in the office with 23 code street for the last few months it's pretty much been an all-female office people of color majority compared to a lot of the offices we've been in which is which has been basically all white men um And I didn't realize that actually a lot of those times when I was occupying those spaces, I was, I was tense. Yeah, I was tense. I was ready. Like I was on guard. Like my cortisol levels must have been like nuts. And I only really realized what it meant to be in an inclusive office for me when I came here. And it's just felt like my guard is down. You know, I don't and I, and, I, and it made me really reflect on like some of my experiences and some and the fact that sometimes we don't realise the physiological effects on our body of being in certain spaces which are just not in- inclusive. And I know we've there's been like a lot of chat about inclusion and diversity in the context of like it's the right thing to do and we need more brown people and black people at the table. But for me, it's like stripping it back and actually looking at the very real effects of being in spaces where
0: you are on guard mm. yeah um i don't even want to start because when you read out her, expi- her experience <coughs> i just started thinking about the many experiences that we have and the fact that we have to validate we our microaggressions aren't enough Mm. to say this is affecting me. Mm. It has to be like it has to be like you know your hijab got pulled off. It has to be so aggressive but actually this is you know people leave marriages people leave relationships because of emotional because of microaggressions within their own home. Mm. You know someone not liking their food consistently on a daily basis or Mm. someone just making you feel away about the space that you occupy in the home. So what
3: is the solution for that though? Is it for creating like of color, I mean, spaces, for us, or? it's been being in an all female office mm-hmm. and people of color office, mm-hmm. like genuinely. So, you're not having to second guess yourself, you're not having to. And the thing is, I just, I, I, like, I, I don't think those who haven't had those experiences, even uh, you can't understand it because yeah. it sounds so simple. It sounds so like, oh, so what if someone like tutted at you on the train? But when it's like for, for Nicole, she's changed her, fundamentally changed her commute. You know, some other people were saying her that. lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. So for some other people, it's been that, um, they don't get a non hour and they leave work later and things like that. And honestly, I, f- I feel like we're in a space where this, a lot of the solutions are about you having to change yeah, something yeah. because you can't expect the, a whole mass population to, to change for you. Yeah. Not at this moment in time anyway. Yeah. But it just I just I when I saw that, it really like touched a nerve with me and I just thought, if anyone is out there that does has ever feel, like felt those reactions and things like that. Like basically I'm just saying I'm validating it because it is something very real. You're not being sensitive, you're not being emotional or whatever it is. Like mm. it is a very real experience. Yes.
2: So my first underrated is, actually I don't know which one to go with first. I might do personality tests cause that's a little bit, oh. probably it's probably my, one of my weaker ones, but I think they're the most, <laughs> most underrated thing ever. And I always get booky looks whenever I'm like, what's your Maya What's Briggs the best one? Code? What's the best one? What is the Myers Briggs test? Okay, right. So like, I what? is that it's the INFJ? Yeah, that's the inf blah, 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 I believe blah. in that one. You know? I feel like I have to be the, the spokesperson for the Myers Briggs test and like all of these like personality tests and love language tests and everything else because i feel like a lot of people like cast them off as like woo woo and oh, the same love language but is yeah it,
3: but don't you feel like people cast them off because gossip magazines made really crap ones
2: but they they usually <laughs> featured like horoscope type things right yeah, like there,
3: there's certain things that are haram not because we don't believe in them but we just believe we don't need to engage with it yeah right the
2: world of personality tests and figuring out what your traits are and things like that that that's absolutely, like, completely, that's out for us. <laughs> we're, we're allowed to do that. Massive companies pay consultants, like, millions of pounds to recruit people based on these personality tests. And yeah. I personally think that they are so helpful for kind of, for, for getting to know yourself and maybe, like, articulating traits of yourself that you haven't been able to before so like a lot of people are just like with the horoscopes they're like oh yeah that happened to me that day and I'm like this and that's what Virgos do and blah 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 also for getting to know other people I've known people that like actually bridge the gap of communication by getting to know how they react to things how they communicate things what their love languages are like that that book like the love languages craze have fully saved people's relationships because it 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 just makes the most sense like
3: some why things trigger you yeah Yeah. exactly like
2: so how much more like are you getting to know yourself just by
3: sorry if there were three tests that you think everyone should do what would they be our
2: first one is myers briggs obviously and And why
0: you're putting this in an article what should you do what should you do why
2: a 16 personality seems to be the the best one and they break down your, your code so for anybody who doesn't know what the Myers-Briggs test is it basically breaks down your personality into four categories whether you're extroverted or introverted whether you're intuitive or thinking um, whether you're feeling or, oh, do you know what? Forget Planning it. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would not say use them to box yourself into
0: a category. That's, you know them people that say, well, I'm a Leo in it, so yeah. that's why I'm like that. I'm like, you know what? For a long time,
3: I did not. I hated personality tests because I hated the fact it was trying to box me in. And mm. tell
2: me yeah. that I'm a certain
0: way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
2: I'm like, no, you don't know me, bro. I have never uh, I have never felt that way. Do you know what? I take it so seriously. I take my tests once every year because... <laughs> I I know it sounds so crazy, but it actually just goes to show something for like maybe the development of my traits. I've never looked at it as me boxing myself in. I've just looked at it as a language to understand myself.
0: Can I say something? I feel like the essence of this whole podcast is that we have a lack of time Mm. to reflect, Mm. to do to fully engage with ourselves and our souls and our whole being so we need the all word. these <laughs> different things <laughs> because <clears throat> i'm not saying these things are bad at all yeah. but if our lives unfortunately our lives are the way they are they're fast moving we're doing this we're in a capitalist society etc but if we really had genuine time to reflect every day on ourselves on our relationships you would come to these conclusions, right? But I think they give you good frameworks. Mine was definitely like it. And it it gives you the language of what
3: are your strengths. Like one of the things I realized is, you know, it was saying like, I'm very solution focused, problem focused. And they were saying that sometimes like for, for me, if I see a problem, I'm like, okay, how can we solve it? And what it was saying is that sometimes that can come off as you not being empathetic to someone's problem mm. because your 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 way of showing empathy is, I'm gonna help you find a solution.
0: But you're not being like, oh, I'm sorry. You feel yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. And
3: I'm like, okay, we understand that it's a problem. Let's get to the solution. Whereas they might still be at the stage where they just want to like talk about, it, explore, it and they're not ready for a solution. That
0: was a good one, Sarah. Thank you. Mm, I yes. want to take the test, I'm on the page.
2: Okay, so my second underrated for this week is gut health. Um, I'm so ready for you to drop the facts. If you have ever had the unfortunate circumstance of meeting me in person, (laughs) maybe one of the first things that
3: I have to tell you is that you have parasites and you completely, the history of gut health is just let you know if you're eating anything, just put it down and listen to the history of gut health by Sarah (laughs) Amin. And
0: listen, if it's a takeaway, Dayal.
3: I have two very good friends who
2: actually started their health journey. Um, and they are the ones that introduced, um, the topic of parasites to me, and it stuck with me, and I just feel compelled to tell everybody. Hi, <coughs> ah, there's a good conversation starter. I don't
3: know someone said so Fleming. Oh, oh, probably because p- <coughs> of your parasites.
2: <laughs> oh, where do I start? So, your gut health is massively underrated. I think like the most I ever see it talked about is on social media, on like these health motivational um, Instagram pages, and they do a good job of kind of breaking stuff down. But I don't think that there is enough hype around how important your gut actually is and uh, what kind of things are going on in your gut as well. Because I feel like, especially when it comes to the parasite conversation, a lot of people kind of like uh, park it at, holidays and you know real illnesses and actually the reality of it is we've all got parasites in our bellies sorry you have worms in your intestines probably right
0: now do not google the images guys don't do it please do i was just it. about oh. to say I'm so you, do one it. of the
2: first things that uh, my friends um had someone's doing it right now as they listen maybe it, yeah just so crossed. one of the first things that my friends had showed me was this instagram page by someone called organic olivia if you haven't if you don't know her already check her out she's wicked she actually created her own parasite formula um, and started selling it, and she's got her own business now. But um, she basically went on this journey herself of parasite cleansing. She, I think, it's actually rooted in ancient Chinese medicine. But um, obviously, ancient Chinese medicine is not mainstream, and a lot of the stuff that gets, you know, talked about in terms of parasites and gut health and things like that gets brushed under the rug. And the go-to, the default is conventional medicine. Unfortunately, conventional medicine. Is one of the main root causes of things like parasites, especially antibiotics. Right. And parasites like guys look literally, they literally look like your worst nightmare. They look can like you little Tell worms. them what to Google. Google, oh mate. I don't even want to have to say like just can I just say if anybody used to watch You Are What You Eat, yeah, and knocked Gillian McKeefe for checking your pass away in a Tupperware, yeah. She was actually way ahead of her time <laughs> because and she was, you know. <laughs> because it is genuinely where you go to look to see if you have uh, parasites. So if you take a concoction of herbs and a parasite cleanse, you're most likely to see a few nasties pass away. I'm not going to... I haven't done this yet because I'm actually not committed to... I,
0: I think I'm definitely on your page in terms of there are some nasties in our bodies that we don't know about and can be controlled by diet and what we're putting. Antibiotics is something that I don't... Oh, I can't say support, advocate for. Alhamdulillah, we had all right how Alhamdulillah, the kids have had... Alright, health. But if a GP, which I don't really go to, has ever recommended an antibody I'm like, Nah, I'm alright. I'll ride it out. Do you know what? Oh, w- there's. I've had a couple of health,
3: like nothing major guys, but just like little health creeps over the last few weeks. And any time I've gone onto the NHS website, th- what they've suggested are just pl- like plastering over the problem rather yeah. than getting to the root of the problem. Yeah, but that's why there's such a they wave of a holistic
0: for it. They don't have capacity to or maybe, send every yeah. person on a blood test and check everybody. But it makes, it makes me Is think... That
3: or it would break
2: down conventional medicine altogether. Yeah, but that's the thing. You
3: know, when you're talking about like gut health, I started thinking, and you were saying, like it's so underrated and we should be talking about it more. I think about it in, in relation to how much we talk about skincare products, right? Mm. Because skincare products makes people money. Yeah. If we were to honestly talk about gut health, a lot of... Um, companies would lose out on a lot of money your skin issues would probably (laughs) I mean you
2: if anyone who doesn't know I'm going to sound like for anyone who doesn't know your gut functions like your brain in the sense that like your gut is your second brain or something like it can carry on even in a vegetative state like your gut can carry on doing its job without any facilitation and um, it's basically i think it even in your even in prophetic medicine like mm. there is such an emphasis on what you put in in your mm. gut so like in terms of like i don't know if you guys have heard of food combining as well but like i think in um tib or prophetic medicine there's like a sequence of foods that you should put inside so that it's not too damp or it's not too hot or things like that because um it, these things all have an effect on your gut health because the thing is i think like the reason the whole conversation around parasites came up in the first place was because they were no longer reserved for when you go away on holiday and eat some food that's unfamiliar to you and you end up getting a couple of bugs in your tummy. It's actually the food that we're
1: Eat, We're eating, eating day consuming and day,
2: day in and out, and, because, and that's because of the ingredients that are in the food, and it's because of the levels of, levels of sugar that's contributing to things like candida, which is the root cause of so many like
0: the amount of women that so are keep on is it a yeast infection? Yeah, the but it's thrush. not. It's, it's no, but it's, it's not a candida lot of it is related to sugar as well. Thrush
2: is a symptom of candida, so yeah. like
0: candida is parasite related as well. It all happens in your gut. I think um, the first one. I think I can explain this if I tell you the story and then i'll go into story time so the prophet muhammad peace be upon him he had um like a little messenger Mm -hmm. so he you could say he was like the postman for him and he would take like messages to different parts because we didn't have email back then you know and all of this stuff and he would take messages, and he would take messages for the prophet muhammad peace be upon him to people and you know good wishes and well wishes and 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 what you have and what have you and One day, as he was walking back from his work um, with the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he walked past one of the the baths. You know, back in the day, they had like these big bathrooms um, and people would go in there to, you know, do wudu, clean uh, them, whatever, I don't know what they (laughs) were. yeah. (laughs) And for one of them, the curtain happened to fly open. And, you know, curiosity got the better of him. I think he had like a little look, basically, and, Oh, so it was intentional. He didn't glance I by accident. Yeah, I think he glanced by accident, but right. I think that look might have lingered, lingered. a little bit, okay. you know, for a little bit more. I guess things that like we've done, you know, ourselves, yeah. like, you know, looked at something, a billboard a little bit too longer, or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Yeah, we're human. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, what, whatever it is, you can look at uh, the detail of it. But uh, he ran away and he was really ashamed. And a couple of days passed from the incident and the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, was like, where is he? Where is Taleba? And he would ask people in the village, like, where's labor gone? Um, he, you know, he uh, he asked Omar Khatab to look as well. And Omar would go, like, around the village looking for people. They started now, like, broadening their search. And they started going to different villages, like, describing what he looked like, um, what he could possibly be wearing, what his mannerisms were like. And everyone was like, no, we haven't seen this boy. They finally got to this village and they described him and said... There is a young, a young boy that came to our village some time ago, but he doesn't really interact with us. He only comes down once a day to drink some milk, and he runs back up to the mountain, and then we just don't see him. So Omar bin Khattab, no, he mind. was basically, they waited, him and it was another Sahaba, and they waited to see if it was Talibah. And then they realized that it was him and he had really lost weight by this time. He was almost quite scrawny and they grabbed him. They're like, what are you doing? Where have you been? And you know what Omar was a bit like? Like he was kind of, well, his personality, yeah, quite strong enough, made like a gesture to suggest that he was quite strong. <coughs> and Talib was trying to explain why he had run away. And Omar was just like, um, you know, forget, forget all of that. Just come with me. The Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he wants to see you he was just so weak he kind of he needed to get him back to health basically and the prophet Muhammad peace upon him came to visit him and he was like where have you been like what's happened why do you look so so ill you know and then Taleba explained what had happened and he said, you know, I was so ashamed. Like, has there been a verse sent down by Allah? Has there been a revelation? Like, has there been a, a, a verse sent down about the hypocrites? Has my name been mentioned? The Prophet Muhammad was like, no, there's been nothing. Like, what, you know, why are you so worried? And he explained what had happened. And he said, what, so what were you doing? Where had you gone? And I think yeah, he alluded to the fact that he was seeking comfort and he was asking for repentance. Um, every time he would go up to the mountains, he'd just pray. He had secluded himself, and he was just so ashamed that he'd done something so small, like subhanAllah, can you imagine? I need to be in that mountain like permanently. <laughs> and um, then he turned around, and he said to the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, I can feel something. I feel unwell, and I f- it feels as though ants are crawling between my skin. And the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, said, death is near. And they started reciting the shahada together, and he passed away, and on the day of this funeral, the Prophet Muhammad was walking, he was walking on his tippy toes, and Omar bin Katab he was just like, why, those around him were just saying, why are you walking on your tiptoes? And it's like, if you could sh- see the sheer amount of angels and their wings, you too would walk. And obviously it shows that he was, you know, he was making so much istaqfir, he was asking, he was repenting so much, that the angels had come to his funeral. Like, no, not many people were there, but the angels had come to grace this young boy's funeral based on one thing that he'd done. And you know what? My underrated was actually going to be that we need to look at role models of the past. I think we idolise a lot of people now and what they can teach us and how they're a role model and what they can learn. But I feel like we almost forget. And I do it myself. We... We try and find these you know, up and coming and current things, but we don't know like their backstory. We only know the shiny front, front end of the story. And I think when you're able to look back at people of the past, and you know the Sahaba, I'm gonna say as well, you can see their whole journey, like from the beginning to death. We look a lot and we try to seek out role models of now, which is great because <clears throat> Sorry. which is great because you wanna see if someone's doing something in your space, mm. your sector, you wanna see how they've done it. Mm. But I think when it comes to success in any given space, whether it's trying to be the best housewife, the best mother, the best business uh, leader, um, whatever it is, right, the best accountant, sometimes there are a lot of, I, I can't say untangible, skills, like things, human traits, that aren't necessarily, I need to get the next degree, I need to get these. It's a lot of things that aren't necessarily tangible. And I think that you can gain by looking at Mm. the people of the past. Character. Character, yeah. A lot of things in terms of character. Um, And my underrated was gonna be looking at people of the past, but I think my underrated is actually gonna be seeking forgiveness. Mm. Cause he actually just spent the rest of his life seeking forgiveness and that was a knockout. And he had done one thing, and we underestimate sometimes, like Allah knows that we are gonna trespass, right? There are things like, but he asks us to forgive. Like if you just look at Ramadan, Allahumma <laughs> What is that dua about? It's just about seeking forgiveness from Allah, right? And I think what's underrated actually is is daily seeking forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Like we ask for so much in our Salah at the end of the Salah we should be seeking more forgiveness as well because you can almost like erase eradicate does that make sense because you can Um, so I think what is underrated is that part of our faith and um, like I remember listening to a talk and
3: um, I think it was Sheikh Babakir and he was like, if you feel like things are just not working out in your life, if you feel like you're constantly like hitting a block, if you feel like you know you're calling upon Allah and it, it, you just you're not just you're just not seeing anything in, like happen, um, maybe it's that you need to seek forgiveness and you need to really open that that door and that channel to Allah and
0: just just spend time really repenting. Mm. My next one, enough actually, we, we, I think all of our points have like crossed at some point. Um, but mine is being around people of color, being around Muslims, being around people who are from some sort of walk, oh, there's a thread.
1: Mm. There's a
0: thread that holds you all together. And we're currently in an office, um, and I'm gonna read out, all of the pl- people that we're with so we're with 23 Coast street they're a coding school for women for every paying student we teach digi- they teach digital digital skills to women in the slums of india they're laughing at me that's why i'm a bit thrown and it's then because
3: th- it sounds like this episode was brought to you by
0: yeah <laughs> it, it kind of was and then the other um company is backstage capital and this is the london crew and they are an accelerator who give underrepresented founders the support they need to reach the next critical milestone. And we're in office with Anissa and Andy, uh, well, two Andys of Backstage Capital, and then the next um, startup is YSYS, so if anyone knows, Debs. And with them, whether you're building the world's next app or working for... Listen, I took it from their Twitter profiles, yeah? <laughs> Obviously, I know what these people do, but I thought, let me give them the professional intro. But what their Twitter profile says, whether you're building the world's next best app or working for a fast-growing tech company, our community is the place for you. And the hashtag is Together. And we've been in a space with these phenomenal human beings, and I've come to see them as, like, family. They're all underrated, man. All underrated. The thing is about that whole being comfortable in your identity is you need some variables to complement that. There's a lot of self-work that you do to be comfortable in your own identity, right? To face yourself, to acknowledge yourself. But to be around people that let you breathe and be is just so incredibly powerful. Mm. And for the last five to six months, we've been around these people and... It's revolutionary, mate. It's revolutionary. I can't explain it. Like, you know, alhamdulillah, there's one aspect of it is I've been in an office where I've frequently taken my hijab off. The brothers weren't here. But it was just like, oh, no, there's no guys in the office. We can just relax and be ourselves. And I feel like it gives you this added fuel that we are in it together and we are all trying our hardest to make some magic happen in the spaces that we occupy. Mm. And my the focus for this um, underrated was going to be that I feel anxious around the white man. But I think the focus is actually when we are one, when we come together. Dalia Majahid said something in a lecture once, and she said, as minorities, we need to come together. And we have bigger strength. And I think that's what I've seen. I went to a talk recently, the one hosted by Hafsa Dabari and Ayo said something, he said, you know, he, he was alluding to around like political engagement versus political participation. And he said, imagine if all people of color, all minorities, we didn't vote, but we used our voting power as leverage to almost imagine if we went like in the startup scene, if we actually went to organizations, you won't get our support until we see XYZ change and i think it's amazing to see that we actually have so much power like as a collective as a, as minorities
3: use, i think generally from what i've seen is there's still very much this colonized mindset of we need them yes and so we don't recognize our true collective power
0: yeah exactly um, if, you know, it, it goes a little bit to the conversation around boycotts because my friend was talking, the reason why a boycott doesn't happen is because you've got 2% of the population boycotting, you've got 20% still eating at McDonald's, 3% over here. If we all collectively came together, like, I think we should be running a campaign where every single month a different brand is highlighted. Do you know and what? And trying to really push the wave of change. On Netflix, I was, I've been watching
3: this series called Killer Mike, and one of the episodes is... Um, about living black and he basically talks about how a pound i I can't remember the exact numbers but he basically was saying how back when segregation was a thing he was like actually it was better for the black economy because the pound would stay in the economy because you you couldn't even go and spend it outside right because they wouldn't accept it imagine
0: if they stop segregation imagine yeah
3: and then he like put a whole new spin on it and he was they he showed some research where he was like a pound in the asian community stays in Mm. circulation in their community i think it was about 20 days or something it was the highest in the white community it circulates and stays for 13 days he said in the black community it stays in for six hours what why because, cause, and then he did the, the, the whole episode. I mean, I've
0: seen that docu- have you seen the documentary about the hair industry? Yeah, yeah. how the majority of yeah. hair shops are owned by uh,
3: Asian men. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then he was saying, so basically he set himself a task for, I think it was 72 hours. He was like, I'm only going to spend my money on black owned establishments mm. to the point where he went to a black owned restaurant and he was like, wait, hold on. Where's, where's the produce from? Is it from a black farm? And they were like, no. And he's like, I can't eat it and then he went and found a farm and he ate there and he, he wanted to make like even down to like he needed to get a um taxi and he was like i need a black owned taxi company and um. then he ended up hiring like this huge coach which was a black owned business and even <laughs> even even weed yeah he was like i really want to smoke weed he was like but they a bit yeah But he's like, but they gentrified weed. All the growers are white. And, And he was like, I can't even get weed because it's not black owned. And it's so fascinating to watch it. And even one night he goes to like this new place and he ends up sleeping on a park bench because he's like, there's no black-owned hotel here, so I can't. What? Yeah, Bruv, he's committed
0: to the cause. Yeah, he
3: was. Pro- it was crazy. Makes all the difference, though. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy, but it's so fascinating. Where he was basically saying we need to have that power in our own economy, and because well, we need s- to recognise the power yeah. first to then have yeah. the power. Yeah.
2: Um, all right, guys. Thank you very much for your overrated, underrated this week. <sighs> thank <laughs> you to myself. So have you exhausting. I'm um, flipping.
3: How was your
2: Weaving. first experience? So? Um, I, it actually went surprisingly well. Um, you probably, I don't know how everyone else I thought. think it went well. Do you yeah. think so? Yeah. Thank you. Um, I'm going to have anxiety in the lead up to the next one because overrateds are just like the hardest thing. But ever. yeah, okay. Anyway, uh, thank you to everybody listening. We'll see you on the next one. Say salam, guys. as
3: Salam.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's.